This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. A very warm welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. A massive thank you must go out to everyone that has gone over to Spotify and reviewed the podcast. The uh, show now has achieved over 100 five-star reviews, so your support is greatly appreciated, especially following a bit of a hiatus I did take with the show. Uh, Life was just so busy. I've kind of documented this in recent episodes, but back unveiling new content, new stories, and new adventures for you all. Again, normally they're at my expense, um, the pain, but it does end up having a, a great podcast at the end of it that hopefully is entertaining and just understanding what has gone on. So, this journey is a continuation on from the previous episode. So, I'll mention now, if you did not listen to the previous episode, you don't necessarily need to, but if you'd like to be filled in completely on the story of how I've ended up in Vancouver when my intention was to get to Seattle, I would definitely recommend doing so. But for those of you that do not have the time or want a bit of a a catch-up on what happened, I was trying to head from the eastern part of Quebec through to Seattle to be with Boeing and to celebrate the final delivery of the 747. Unfortunately, after many cancellations, a lot of money wasted, postponements, delays, and so much more, everything in between, I didn't make it to Seattle, so we're picking up from Vancouver, where I've just been offloaded from my flight that was meant to take me to Seattle that was delayed five plus hours. Um, Again, just to confirm if you're unaware, you can listen to these podcasts on any streaming platform of your choice. So, if it's Spotify, then head there. Apple, Google, and everything else in between, you can listen to it on your preferred platform. This is just a pure mention just so you can go to the platform of your choosing rather than the ones that I strictly promote. I know there's many, many, many different platforms, but the majority of my listeners, according to uh, my podcast hosting platform that I pay for uh, are from Apple and Spotify. But look, if there's something else you prefer, just search the podcast title and you should be able to find it. So let's get underway. I believe I last left off saying that I had asked um, Air Canada to offload me from the flight to Seattle because it was delayed so much that essentially I wouldn't make it to Seattle in time for the event, which is a problem in itself. Um, The offloading process was pretty smooth. In fact, it took about 30 seconds. I will add, though, um, it was a hefty wait to get to speak with someone. There was only one person dealing with our flight. Again, I'm sure staff pressures and so forth uh, mean that that's the case. Uh, Obviously, though, when those lines get bigger and bigger, you really do feel for the person behind the desk that can only deal with so many people at such a pace. And then that can kind of go on and on and on and you can be waiting quite a fair amount of time but if you know what you want to say to the person which is great to prepare beforehand then this process is very smooth so that being said i was offloaded um went through customs and border control which again 
It was a bit of a weird experience, given I hadn't actually travelled anywhere, but I had to fill in an arrival card for Vancouver, basically indicating that I had come from somewhere else, but I hadn't, so that was an experience and a half. By the time I reached uh, baggage control, I, well, I was informed by the gate that it would be, my checked bag would be arriving at a special baggage assistance counter, so before I headed there, I imagined it was going to take a little bit of time, which is what they told me. I sat down and opened up my laptop and tried to have a look at available flights. I kind of knew my only option was with United Airlines, um, getting from... Uh, my goal was to get to either a either San Francisco or Los Angeles and catch one of the available flights uh, that night on the West Coast down to Melbourne or Sydney and then get onwards back home if it was in Sydney. Uh, just United Airlines is always kind of the easiest and cheapest in comparison to Qantas. Um, Qantas are very, very expensive. And, and yes, United are expensive, but certainly not as bad as Qantas. United have definitely been expanding quite significantly in the Oceania region. I mean, they just announced the largest um, Southern Pacific Ocean, or what do they call it? South Pacific, if you will, expansion in aviation history. So it's been really nice to see additional routes and aircraft up gauges and much more uh, four cities, whether it's in Australia or New Zealand, they're definitely giving um, other carriers in the space a run for their money. And I would definitely put that on Qantas, who, uh, while are welcoming more wide bodies back into their operations, that being the A380, uh, United are surging forward with their capacity and offering routes that even Qantas aren't offering. So when it comes to traveling across the Pacific, United definitely has some fantastic options available. And if you're looking for cheaper flights, then Fiji Airways is 100% an option as well, alongside even Hawaiian. I did fly Fiji Airways a couple of months ago, well, now probably a month ago, and that will be a podcast review that will eventually be released once I'm through the stories I'm covering at the moment on the show. So the only real option that seemed plausible was catching a United 737 down to San Francisco, then having about a six and a half hour layover in San Francisco before catching the pretty much midnight departure direct to Melbourne, which eliminated the need of doing the transfer in Sydney. So it made a little bit more sense and obviously makes the journey a little bit longer in terms of it being nonstop to Melbourne. But uh, if you know, you know how annoying and frustrating that transfer in Sydney can be. So to avoid that, I uh, picked the option that took me right through to Melbourne. So Upon there, it was about checking the bag back in, which I did need to collect from the special assistance bay. To their credit, it was it was very easy. I simply went up there, gave them my name and a previous ticket. They were then able to source my bag and sent it out on the oversized conveyor. So I guess that's a bit of information for anyone that may look to get offloaded on a flight or wants to know the process, have a chat with the desk agent. And if it's possible, it's possible. Um... And then that's how you collect your bag. You basically go through like an arriving passenger, even though you're technically not. So once that was done, I uh, collected the bag and had to go back upstairs. Uh, oh, pardon me. I think the last step was ooh, immigration or customs. I think I already went through customs. It was one process left where I had to hand in some paperwork and then went back upstairs to the departure hall found the United Airlines desk, and at this point, I think it was still six and a half hours till departure, so I was a bit worried that I wasn't going to be able to check the bag, and if that was the case, I would kind of be a little bit stuck. Um, 
I wanted to check the bag and just get through security so I could try and relax a little bit. At this point, it had been a, a very, very hectic day and a half. Um, again, listen to the previous episode and you'll understand just how many like cancellations and so forth. And I wasn't even technically meant to be in Vancouver. So um, an experience and a half, that's for sure. Luckily, I was able to drop the bag. The staff were very helpful. Uh, went through bag drop again for the second time in as many hours. And uh, Border Control. Border Control did look at me a little bit funny, I, I must admit. They were a bit confused. They're like, didn't you just come through a couple of hours ago? Uh, what happened? So had to explain that situation to them before they eventually led me on my way. Spent some time in Vancouver Airport where I uh, caught up on some work. There was a bar that I wanted to eat at, <laughs> but it was a Vancouver Canucks bar. If you're a fan of the uh, National Hockey League or NHL, you'll know who that is. Um, I go for the Montreal Canadiens though, so I didn't want to sit in the uh, Vancouver Canucks bar. So I think instead I settled for some donuts from, was it Donut King or, or Tim Hortons? I, I ended up settling on Tim Bits from uh, Tim Hortons in the end. So I didn't want to sit in the Vancouver Canucks bar. Sorry to any Canucks fans that may be out there. I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, Vancouver is a nice airport. I, I actually never departed out of these Bay of Gates, so it was an interesting experience to see a different area of the airport. Uh, definitely prefer the Canadian side um, rather than this, but there was nothing wrong with it, and it is a very nice airport. I will remain adamant that Vancouver is probably up there in my top two favorite airports globally. I would even go as far as saying maybe it's my favorite and I, I, I haven't flown through it enough in terms of saying convenience and ease of use, but in terms of a um, a visit and how it looks and how it feels, it is very, very nice. I've had the pleasure of flying through it in the winter and uh, it was very, very cozy, very warming, very comfortable. And I've always had like great experience, well, bar the delay and cancellation, I've had very good experiences there. And I think many people can agree with me that have had the pleasure of going through Vancouver. It's probably an underrated airport in terms of how it looks and feels. Um, while, yes, it's maybe not as flashy as a Singapore Changi, uh, it has its charm in, in different aspects. So by the time I eventually was able to board the aircraft, it was my first time flying on a United 737. And again, it must be said that the United crew are really, truly fantastic. Um, they always go above and beyond for me as someone with a with an allergy, and whether that's based on poor previous experiences with people that have led them into hot water, I still appreciate them actually caring about the allergy. Uh, too many times recently I've traveled and explained my allergy, and I've had responses such as, and, so what? What does that mean? Look, and not everyone is, is meant to know, but it's frustrating when it is such a serious thing and, and can have severe reactions that you get comments such as and and so what. So they were very good, as always, to try and make me feel comfortable. Um, the flight to San Francisco, smooth. I mean, it wasn't a long flight, so it wasn't like much happened. And trying to, to call back, I, I just kind of had music in and looked out the window. Did get a very good scenic approach into San Francisco, which was nice. Uh, I had, I think I've passed through San Francisco a couple times now, but never seen like the Golden Gate Bridge or the downtown parts. And I was able to see that from the air. So that was very nice. I jokingly said that because I've now seen these from the air, I've technically seen the sights of San Francisco. But no, uh, there's many. Uh, this is a question I feel like a lot of people ask. 
anyone is like, where do you want to travel in the world? And for me, it's like, I want to travel to so many places, but will I ever actually travel to them in terms of visiting? Probably not. Uh, And I think everyone can resonate there that you may have a list of 30 or 40 destinations, but you may only get to three or four. So San Francisco is one I would like to visit. Do I think I'll ever visit, visit it? No, Um, but I would like to. But at the very least, if I never get to visit San Francisco properly in my entire life, I can say I did at least see the Golden Gate Bridge from uh, from a plane. So... That was decent. A very, very beautiful day for flying, and must be said. Lovely snow-capped mountains on the uh, flight to San Francisco, and again, a scenic approach. So, there wasn't really much to complain about. I had six and a half hours in San Francisco, and this was my first time um, transiting in San Francisco, but going back to Australia. I had previously had a layover in San Francisco, heading to uh, the eastern part of Quebec. However... And a big however, the previous layover led to me needing to run through the airport and I was the last person on the plane. So I didn't really get to see San Francisco. I was more just trying to figure out where the hell I needed to go. It wasn't so much as seeing the amenities, understanding how the airport functioned, um, taking a look at some of the planes at the gates. So by having a six plus hour layover, I did have that ability to do this this time. Um, So it was an interesting experience to really get a feel for the airport Again, in six hours, you're never going to see the entire airport, and especially after only a couple of pass-throughs, but it gave me some time to walk the halls, and I must say the transfer was really smooth, probably one of the smoothest I've had. Um, I did not need to recheck the bag, but what I must say is just getting, it's, it's a bit of a hike, don't get me wrong, but getting from where I landed to where I was departing, it was just a walk and you were there. Um, there was no, no, I didn't have to go through any checks. Very, very smooth. And I mean, in comparison to Sydney, where you've got to go outside the airport, catch a train, catch a bus. There's a lot of crap that is unnecessary that you need to do in somewhere like Sydney. Um, but in San Francisco, it was, it was genuinely really smooth. So a big, a big thumbs up for that part of it. So something to consider. And I know there's a lot of discussion around when people are traveling across the Pacific and maybe their end destination is not, say, the West Coast of the United States. They will look towards, say, traveling to San Francisco because maybe they find the transfer easier than, say, LAX. As an example, you're headed to New York or you're headed to Montreal or you're headed to Toronto. They may look to go towards SFO over LAX purely for something like this. And I can understand that now having experienced it. There's an outdoor viewing deck in uh, SFO and really, really nice, a huge plus in any airport when there's something like this, but not just for the view of the aircraft, but actually to get some fresh air. Because something that maybe many don't consider is how long some people's journeys in the airports can be. Uh, While one person may be traveling two hours, someone may be traveling 55 hours and getting a little bit of fresh air at some point is really valuable. Uh, So it was very, very nice to be able to use that outdoor viewing deck to not just see the aircraft and the movements, but sit on one of the deck chairs and, and get some fresh air before your long flight. So I know I appreciated that. And I think many people, again, would probably agree Not just for the plane aspect, because I know a lot of people that, well, I would assume everyone that listens to this probably has an interest in planes or travel, but just just for comfort factor. 
Um, San Francisco as a whole, the gates I was departing from, very much felt like a Westfield shopping center. Now, there's some people that will know what I mean when I say Westfield. There are some that may not. Uh, just feel free to key in on a web browser, Westfield Shopping Center. But the gist is large walkways and shops that run along the left and right. And it's kind of like a straight line down. Um, and, and maybe they may be uh, organized in, say, a rectangular form. I know they're here in the Austra- in Australia and I know they're also in the UK. I don't know where else they are, but... Um, they're a pretty known thing, and, and San Francisco's airport reminded me quite a fair bit of that. Also, interestingly enough, in the gates I was departing from, the departure points were downstairs, and um, the walkways and the the meal area and the, the souvenir shops and the news agencies were all located upstairs. So, that was interesting that you had to go downstairs to actually depart, but you were upstairs for everything else. I think that's good in terms of not overcrowding the main walkways because as you know when it, when a flight is boarding everyone crowds around it and um it can then spread into the walkways and then it can be hard to actually walk inside a terminal that is especially crammed but no these you were taking an escalator downstairs for your respective gate that was that's brilliant for in terms of crowd control because the one thing i noticed is while there were so many flights going out at the same time there was no one really crowding the walkways But, on the other hand, as someone who does love going to each aircraft gate, or sorry, each gate, pardon me, to take a look at the aircraft, uh, that was an extra step that was annoying. But, see, that's that's on me. Um, As a whole, I thought it was a very good idea, and it definitely reduces probably issues you see in other airports. So, for this United flight, again, as mentioned, it was San Francisco to Melbourne. An interesting experience. I was sat in the middle aisle seat. So, normally, I'm sat on the window seat. That's just pretty staple. If you have a look at my flight radar, which should be in the show notes, otherwise, just search DJ's Aviation My Flight Radar, you'll be able to see that almost all of my flights are on the window seat. It's just what I prefer. When when you say, are you an aisle or a window? I'm always a window, but because I booked this on the day of departure, about oh, 12 hours before departure, there was nothing on the window left. So, going into this flight, I was like, it's going to be quite an experience, um, given I've not sat in this, well, have I sat in a middle aisle before? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I've sat on an aisle in the three for a window. Um, That was a charter flight, though. So, this was a little bit different. This is a long-haul flight. I don't think ever for a long-haul flight, I've not sat uh, on a window seat. Uh, Well, no, that's actually not a lie. That's a lie, pardon me. I did once on a Qantas uh, A330 business class, which was on the flight that I got upgraded because they they offloaded me from a previous flight. Again, something that would never happen nowadays. Uh, They upgraded a lot of people to business and I was in the aisle seat, although that didn't really matter because you're flying business. So who cares? I could literally have no window. It could be pitch black and I would take it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for economy, this was the first time for me. Uh, I was just hoping that maybe the seat in the middle stayed empty. It didn't. And uh, the seatmates were, one of the seatmates was very chatty. So we were all solo travelers and one of the seatmates was very, very chatty talking about his adventures, which were fun to hear. But you you kind of deep down hope that when a 15 hour journey is headed your way, that everyone kind of just is quiet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm alone in thinking that or if I'm someone that 
maybe people agree with, but I don't really want to be chatting to the person next to me or the person across from me during this flight. That's why I try and always whack on my headphones as soon as I sit down to do that subtle yet also very obvious message to whoever sits next to you or whoever arrives that I've got music on, don't attempt conversation with me. And there'll be a funny story you'll hear in a couple of episodes on aboard a Delta aircraft where you'll really are. For anyone that doesn't like talking to the person next to them, well, it's going to be your worst nightmare, this podcast, so I'll give you fair warning. Try and avoid that, um, because if you're not interested in hearing someone's entire life story before you've even departed the the, air, the airfield, then yeah, that's a general gist of what happened. But for this time, it was just conversations that you've got to be polite, but you're like, man, this is 15 hours. I've had a six and a half hour layover. I've been going now. At this point, it was two days of traveling and I'd only made it across North America. It just really, really wasn't in the mood. As for the flight, no complaints, really. Um, just attempted to sleep. The meals were good. The meals were fine. Leg room was fine. Uh, probably one of the more forgettable journeys. And maybe that's because I wasn't on the window. So... Uh, oh, how have I forgotten? The IFE wasn't working. So it was a full flight, but my IFE wasn't working. And it's funny because I never use IFEs. But for this flight, I was actually planning on doing it because it didn't have the window. So a lot of the time I like looking at the window. This is also a red eye, but I, I do just like looking at the window. I like having it there. I sleep better with the window open and, and all of that and all of that. So This time I was like, look, I'm going to try and watch some movies on the IFE to get this trip over. It had been like a trip from hell at that point. Uh, Unfortunately, my IFE didn't work. So I I resorted to being that person that watches the screen in front of you. I can't remember what movie it was on. But from what I could see when the the person's head wasn't blocking the screen, it was was quite good. Uh, I don't remember which one it was, though. I think I only watched about half of it. The rest of the time it was uh, someone's scalp, but... Uh, yeah, frustrating that the IFE didn't work. Um, kind of my luck, but it is what it is. It's not a big deal. Um, and, and the flight was full, so it's not like you could really be moved anywhere. Other than that, um, I don't think there's really much else to say about the journey. Arrived into Melbourne, and my God, um, it took about, I want to say, how many hours? Oh, many, many, many hours to clear... Uh, border control and baggage claims. So Melbourne has had a, a great influx of passengers and, and new flights and so forth. Uh, so it's been very, very busy and uh, they're not coping very well with that. So when I, I got off the United flight and was headed to border control, I was first in line at the e-passport gates. Right then they shut it down and they said, we're not processing any more passengers as our baggage claim is overflowing. So they said it would only be a couple of minutes and an hour and a half later, we were still in line at a border control and they were still saying that baggage claim was overflowing. So, and mind you, just more and more people are arriving into the airport. So more and more are crowding into this border control room. And when I say they weren't accepting anyone, they weren't even doing uh, the people that need to go to see a desk that aren't in the e-passport category. So those people had pretty much just decided to take a nap on the floor and uh, we were waiting and there were some people getting pretty frustrated and annoyed. Uh, there were also people that had domestic connections that just weren't making them. Uh, what I found interesting was um, no one was coming around to ask, like, do you have a domestic connection? Because they'll try and fast track you. I've seen that at airports all around the globe. And, and while it's frustrating, 
when you're at your end destination. If you were in that position, um, you would want someone to come and find you and help you reach that connection because in the end, it just causes so much more unnecessary crap because that person didn't come and get you, but that didn't happen. So a lot of the people that had domestic connections had to go and find someone who then had to find someone else and then, you know, they missed it anyway. So that was a nightmare. And then making it through border control to baggage claim was a whole nother case because then the bags weren't coming through because obviously the employees are under pressure so much and there's not enough of them and there's so many flights coming in. So when I, by the time I got my bag and had cleared it all, I said to myself, I'm not flying into Melbourne again. And that's really funny because uh, normally I hate the Sydney connection. And in fact, at the beginning of this episode, you heard me make mention that I wanted to try and avoid the Sydney connection. But the reality is, in the time it usually takes to collect your bag and do the transfer, yes, while it's frustrating, and even including the flight, I probably would have made it through security. Sorry, I probably would have arrived back at my home in Melbourne sooner than having that non-stop service into Melbourne and having to clear border and customs and um, bag claims. So that was interesting. But again, it depends on what time you arrive. The time my United flight arrived in was when a host of international services were all coming in at the same time. So something to, to remember and, and, and such. I think that's going to conclude today's episode, roughly coming in at 25 minutes of recording now. As for the next episode, I've got to try and think about what has been going on. I have a podcast release plan, so I won't promise what the next episode is going to be, but no, there's probably seven or so travel podcasts lined up, flying new airlines, spotting at airports globally. I just don't know when I'm starting that next series because there's some other things I want to discuss, such as the Emirates livery and anything else in between. So a big thank you for your support. A big thank you for listening to the show. Uh, Again, it's just a passion project of mine on the side. As much as I very much appreciate anyone tuning in to listen, uh, the one thing I do like about this is it creates a bit of a a diary that's recorded by myself in audio form of my experiences and of my journeys. I hate listening to myself and I don't go back and listen to these, but I know at some point, whether I'm 65 in a rocking chair on a veranda somewhere, I will come back and listen and uh, relive these experiences through myself and the pictures I've taken across the journeys. If anyone comes and listens to these while I'm uploading them, then it's obviously a massive benefit and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, But yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I do it. And it's just great that people come along for the adventures too. So yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the support as always. I appreciate everyone listening and I'll see you next weekend for an unplanned, I don't know what podcast, but just keep your your eyes on the feed on your respective platforms. Or if you follow me on socials, it's going to be at DJ's Aviation. You'll, you'll know when a podcast is released. So yeah, take care. Enjoy your working week, or maybe you're listening to this in 2027. Uh, or maybe it's me listening to this in that rocking chair as a 65 year old. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much. And I'll see you soon. And a very warm welcome to your destination. Please keep your seatbelt fastened for the following. This has been the DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation, from news to incredible stories detailing trips worldwide. Leave a review and follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. 
for Onward Connections, check us out on Twitter at DJ's Aviation or the show notes to join our partner Discord server, see the website, and more. And we'd like to thank you sincerely for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back on board shortly for another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast.